We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back, Lucky Lucky Podcast. Honor Boys in the building on CFB Nation that is presented by Twisted 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 T. You guys go to YouTube, lock into the poll question of the day. That's up. How many wins will Notre Dame end up with in 2023? Your options are 10, 9, 8, 7. Some people are actually picking seven, which means they are out on the ledge ready to jump off the bridge because they don't think Notre Dame is going to win another game this year. <laughs> Man. Should be very interesting. I see uh, Darlin Doxy says 10 and 3. Papa Smurf says nine games, nine victories at the end of the year. Continue to vote over at YouTube. Subscribe, smash the like button. Let's get to it. I think this is going to be a hot button topic. Hot button topic. Can't wait to see what the chat says. I actually put the question up on our Twitter page at Lucky Lefty Pod. You can follow us on X slash twitter which game this year which game this year did the notre dame offensive line not play well enough for notre dame to win the game which game this year or games did the notre dame offensive line not play well enough to win I'm interested in hearing what you guys have to say. Why? So there's been a whole bunch of excuses on these message boards about how some people feel like their biggest concern is the offensive line. I laughed. This is comical. This is comical. See, I want you guys to see this is where I'm not, I didn't ask what game did the offensive line play horribly or bad or the interior was bad. The question is, what game did the offensive line play was so bad that Notre Dame did not have a chance to win the game? 
because I'm looking, I'm about to pull up the comments because I'm looking at some of the comments and it's cap. It's cap because the question is not name a game where the offensive line played bad. That wasn't the question. The question is name a game where the play of the offensive line was not good enough for Notre Dame to win the game. And then I'm just going to point out some things that I feel like are just comical, absolutely comical to me, dude. Comical. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm just letting you guys put your comments in before I start running them. Because this is, you know, a conversation we're going to have for the next 20, 30 minutes. All right, so I'm going to start with my guy, Marvin. Louisville. My guy, our guy, Marshall, Clemson. Coleman Smith, Louisville. Nathan Milton, Clemson with a question mark. Papa Smurf, Clemson. Deborah Thomas, Clemson. Jacob Fee, Louisville, Clemson, Duke. They won the game against Duke, Jacob. Uh, time to grind, Louisville. Coleman Smith, overall Louisville. Clemson, the run game was good. Pass pro, no. Uh, Donnie Cruz, I see your comment. We'll get to it towards the end. Nathan Milton, this is interesting, Nathan. Uh, in that case, I don't think any game was so bad where the O-line lost the game. Uh, Deborah Thomas, who commented earlier, said none of them in that case. Josh Boylan, or John Boylan, I'm sorry, John, Louisville. Luke, Louisville. Yeah, that was the game. They started rotating guards, and they told the players, like, right before the game, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, Gino. Said, I'm going to lean Louisville too because it was just so disappointing. Oh, man. Don't remind me about that coaching. Uh, Ani, that's not the question. See, stick to the question. What game did the old line play so bad? See, this is going to play right into my arc. What line? What game did the O-line play so bad 
that they did not give Notre Dame a chance to win the game? That's the question. You can't mention the Duke game because they won the game. They obviously did enough to give Notre Dame a chance to win the game. They won. Let's stick to the question. I want to stick to it. Okay, cool. Here we go. I have been consistent, and I will continue to be consistent, because there are reasons to why things happen in life. Cause and effect. Every day. Every day. So we don't have to get extra special in diagnosing football games as if, oh, well, this is because of this and this is because of that. Yeah, dude, that's life. I don't care what you're watching. It's cause and effect to everything. What you see happen, of course, there's a cause to it. I've talked to way too many professional football players, spoken to way too many Notre Dame players. We had Derek Curry on here, member of one of the most underrated defenses in Notre Dame history from that 2002 squad, who literally came on this show and said our DC was one of the worst play callers. He would call plays, and we would literally be like, no, that ain't, we ain't doing that as a unit. This is a Notre Dame player who openly admitted on this podcast, we're not running that. And it doesn't matter what he calls, our job is to make a play. Come up with an interception, come up with a front stop, come up with a sack. Make a play. That's it. And I spoke up for the Notre Dame fan base on Monday's show. And I said, yo, honestly, the dysfunction that's been in this program from top to bottom with a lot of things that's happened has kept this fan base in the same cycle of just finding a new way to place blame on this coach, that coach, this head coach, that head coach, this recruiting class, that recruiting class, this quarterback, that quarterback, offensive line, defensive line. That's all we do as a fan base. Just apply blame. Without just looking at the facts that's in front of us or the results that's in front of us and saying, yeah, hey, that's, the, that's cause and effect. That's cause and effect. But at some point, elite teams find a way when everything is not perfect. This is where I go to the offensive line. Notre Dame fan base is the only fan base that expects their offensive line to be perfect. And it's not our fault. It's because that's what we've been given. We've been given a history of offensive line play. We've been given a history of head coaches leading up to big games, constantly talking about offensive line play and constantly saying, if we don't play perfect, 
if we don't play close to darn near perfect, we don't not, we're not gonna have a chance to win. That's what we've been fed. Literally, that's what we've been fed about Notre Dame. So unfairly, in every big game, we go into the game focused on the offensive line. And if the offensive line doesn't play a perfect game, they're a problem after every game. After every game. If they don't, I've never seen a unit in college football that has to play perfect every big game. Alabama's offensive line is trash this year. Trash. They're finding a way. They're finding a way. You know why? It would be real nice for Notre Dame as a program to give their offensive line a dude at quarterback. That doesn't need everything to be perfect. That would be nice at some point in the next three to five years. Give us the quarterback that's behind a trash offensive line but can put up 42 on a Saturday night against LSU. I'll take that. He's not the greatest passer from the pocket, but of course, according to Pro Football Focus, he's one of the top nine most efficient quarterbacks. He's sitting at number eight, according to Pro Football Focus. And he's a playmaker. Offensive line of Alabama is trash. Starting a true freshman at left tackle. Red shirt freshman at right tackle. Not bad. The Alabama offensive line is not better than the Notre Dame offensive line. They're not. As much as we can sit up here and complain about the offensive line of Notre Dame, Notre Dame has a better offensive line than Alabama. Collectively. That might be hard to believe, but collectively. They do. They do. My second point. We have no empathy. Do you realize that the players that have been here three to four years on this offensive line have had three different coaches with three different styles of coaching asking them to do three different things in three years? Absolutely no empathy. No one cares. No one cares. Here, we're going to sit. We're going to do this. Okay, here comes Harry Heastan. Now we're going to run duo. We're going to run straight ahead, duo power. Oh, Harry's gone. Oh, here comes Joe Rudolph. Oh, now we're changing everything up. We're changing everything up again. We're going to do this now. Sounds like pretty optimal conditions, right? Three coaches in the position room, three different coaches in three years. But nobody talks about that. There's no empathy for the Notre Dame offensive line players having to do three different systems as an offensive line group. Nobody has empathy for that. No one. But we'll throw Sam Hartman some darn empathy. He ain't even a Notre Dame dude. Well, I feel bad for Sam Hartman to have to come in and play in this system. The dude got a million dollars. I don't care about that dude. He ain't a dude. He was supposed to be a dude 
He ain't a dude. But you will throw that dude a ton of sympathy and won't throw your own offensive line sympathy by having three different coaches with three different ideologies in three seasons. None at all. None. For them have been having the most pressure of any unit for any big-time program. None. None. championships. They were mid. Mid. The offensive lines have gotten progressively worse at Alabama as the system changed from ground and pound to the quarterbacks and them having the wide receivers they had. Notre Dame, at some point, can we take the pressure off the Notre Dame offensive line that's been there for over the last decade. Can you get them some playmakers so they don't have to be perfect? Get them some playmakers that can get open in two to three seconds so they don't have to be perfect every freaking snap in order for Notre Dame to have a chance to win a game because that's the expectation that's been sown into the fan base. And it's unfair. It's unfair to the fan base. It's um, yes, we should go into games expecting 40 points without the O-line having to be perfect. There's no other offensive line in big games for elite programs that has to be perfect. Notre Dame was darn near flawless as an offensive line against Ohio State. Guess what happened? They lost. It wasn't because of the offensive line. Was can't put that on the offensive line. Biggest game of the year. They stepped up. Gave these the quarterback, the wide receivers, and the running backs the opportunity to bring it home. What did they do? They didn't get it done. So what are we really talking about? Let's, let's have an honest conversation. Because I'm going to be fair. The Louisville game, that was, yo. But once again, when you hear that the coaches come to the players hours before the game, like we're going to switch things up. I know, yeah, we rotated during the week in practice, but there was no expectation that this was going to be the case in the game. I've come to you right before the game, and okay, I know the expectation is this, but we're going to do this. What? Yes, I'm sure that messes with the mental of some guys. It probably messes with the confidence of some guys. I'm do. I watch the same games y'all do, man. We know the internal offensive line was a question going all the way back. Let's be real. Three years ago, Notre Dame had to start a true freshman at left tackle, and went to the portal to get Kane Madden, who was awful. Awful. Louisville? Yeah, I do. 
I wholeheartedly, if I was going to say a game this year where they flat out didn't play good enough to give the team a chance to win, I'm right there with you, Notre Dame fans. We're going to have a fair conversation. I'm right there with you. Right there with you. Right there. I'm just telling you that there is no unit in this program that plays with the pressure that the Notre Dame offensive line plays with. No other unit in this program plays with that pressure week in, week out. Nobody. Nobody. And I was amazed at how many excuses we were willing to throw Sam Hartman based upon the system and the offensive line has been in three different systems in the last three years. There's been no consistency for them to grow in the same system. None. So, yes, I can sit just like all of you, cause and effect. I saw Zeke Carell, and I forgot somebody put it up on the plate. The right side of the line, Blake Fisher and those guys had caved in. Please go watch it. I think Greg, I think his name, I don't want to mispronounce his name. Then that'd be disrespectful. But I believe his name is Greg, and the last name is spelled F-L-A-M-M-A-N-G. If I'm not mistaken, Greg, I it too. If somebody knows Greg, I don't want to mispronounce his name. I'm just trying to be professional. He put up a play where Zeke Carell literally got pushed back into Aldrich Estime, and Estime ended up getting tackled for like a four-yard loss on the play. The play was supposed to go to the right, and the whole right side of the offensive line, right, because everybody talks about Xavier Thomas. Go watch where Xavier Thomas, Blake Fisher, kicked his butt on that play. Kicked his butt. The play was there. That's not Jared Parker. The play was there. Zeke Carell, you got to be better, my dude. You got to be better. Pat Coogan, he was all right on that play. You got to be better. Hey, all you estimate is a running back. Hmm. This is football. Right, because Aldrich Estime is really good. But is he like elite, top of the top? Because a certain running back might have had the vision to see Zeke Carell getting pushed back and hit a quick jump cut to the right and got to where the play. And this is what I'm talking about. Notre Dame doesn't really have talent problems or huge issues on the O-line. We just need playmakers, man. I'm going to keep saying it. We need playmakers. People that can make plays when everything is not perfect, man. And as long as we keep going into these big games where everything has to be perfect, we're not going to come out well in those games. We're just not. 
You're asking what you're expecting too much and asking way too much of young men to win every battle with against other really good football players. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. It just doesn't, man. So I agree with you guys in your game-by-game, play-by-play assessment of this guy isn't doing this, Coogan is struggling, put Shroud in, but when Shroud went in against Louisville, he really didn't play well. I agree. I agree. Blake Fisher was awful late in the Clemson game when Notre Dame really need him. You know who else was awful? Sam Hartman, who had Jordan Faison wide open and couldn't get the ball to him. Awful. That's not the system. That's a hell of a play call by Jared Parker in that situation. He failed. He failed. And it bothers me when people want to throw flowers and be more forgiving to a dude that's really not even, he's not a Notre Dame dude. He's a transplant. And you want to be forgiving to him, but you want to just hold the offensive line, hold their feet to the fire. When they've been in three different systems in three seasons, and you want to talk about this dude, he's a quarterback, man. What are you talking about? Find the open dude and be accurate. That's it. That's your job. That's it. Running backs, very good year. You know what, Coach McCullough? Man, you need to work with those dudes on pass protection. If this isn't the first game, you can go back to the Navy game. The very first, the very first game, running backs had the same issues. Running backs had the same issues against Navy. The same issues. Whiffing on blocks, on blitzes. Notre Dame fans, for the most part, man, for over a decade, the offensive line has given Notre Dame opportunities week in and week out to win football games. As I said before, I'm sure every game you can sit up here and point out to me, Mr. Simon, blown up. No one's perfect, man. No one's perfect. And stop expecting them to be perfect. That's, That's what's been sold to us, right? And you know why? It's not enough difference makers at the key positions. That's it. So you know what? The old line. Has to set the tone. They got to do it for four quarters. That's just not realistic, man. Not today's game. I don't know an offensive line that exists. That's, dude, they want us to accept. That's the same thing that Iowa football fans have to accept. Notre Dame fans? Offensive line has to be perfect. Have to be perfect. Have to run the ball. 
depend on our defense. And we're not doing that, man. This is Notre Dame. It's 2023. Notre Dame fan base deserves much more than that. Much more than that. And I'm sure this is going to be an extended conversation because I'm sure left who was dealing with some things with the network today. I'm sure left is going to want to come on and talk about this tonight. So we're probably going to have a lucky lefty prime time show to expand upon both of the topics and some more stuff he wants to talk about. But I just, that's, that upset me. I have to be honest. The Notre Dame fans didn't up Notre Dame fans being able to watch football games, critique players and say, oh, this guy didn't play well. That guy didn't play well. That, I have no problem with that. None. Speak the truth on these dudes. If a dude stunk it up in the fourth quarter, or stunk it up in two series to end the game, speak the truth. If Zeke Carell wasn't good, speak it. The Louisville game, which I agree with most of you guys, absolutely. Speak it. But when y'all start throwing this cat Sam Hartman more flowers than you throw an offensive line that has been the anchor for this program, the anchor for this program, for going on 15 years, no, nah, I can't rock with that. I'm not going to rock with that. That dude walked away with a million dollars. I don't care how this season turns out. He's still probably going to be a third, fourth round pick in the NFL, the same as if he would have gone to the NFL last year and he got over a million dollars to come play at Notre Dame and didn't hold up his end of the bargain. I don't feel bad for that dude. For what? For what? Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. I believe, as Jack Swarbrick said on the Wake Up the Echo show, out of all my disappointments, you guys know me. I Man, I am very vocal about what I feel have been the shortcomings of one Marcus Freeman. But I'm still a huge Marcus Freeman fan. I still believe Marcus Freeman can get the job done. Because I trust Marcus Freeman to go find the dudes more than Brian Kelly. Not at the beginning of his tenure, when that's what he did. But towards the end, 
Ron Kelly didn't even care anymore. And the truth of the matter is, that might have been because he constantly had to wrestle with administration. Sometimes you just get tired, man. Sometimes you're in a relationship and it's a constant struggle. You're constantly battling. And sometimes you just throw your hands up and say, you know what? I'm out. I can't, I can't do this anymore. It shouldn't be this hard. I get it. I get it. And maybe that's where Brian Kelly was. Maybe that's where he was, Notre Dame fans. And that's fine. But I'm telling you, man, I believe in Marcus Freeman. Jack Swarbrick said it. I believe even more in Marcus Freeman's ability to bring Notre Dame a national championship today than the day I hired him. You know why you feel that way, Mr. Swarbrick? Because you know what he's been put through. And you know what he's had to deal with. Maybe that's why you feel even more confident in your decision today than you did the day you hired him. So, let me ask you a question. Do you guys feel better about the quarterback room than you did Brian Kelly's last year? Yes or no? Yes or no? Do you feel better about the offensive line room than you did in Brian Kelly's last year? Yes or no? Despite all of their flaws, their bad games, their bad moments, do you feel better about the O-line and where it is right now under Joe Rudolph than what it was or where it was in Brian Kelly's last year? Do you, uh, let's see, do you feel better? And Notre Dame has had productive running backs, but do you look at the depth and the talent coming in? Do you feel better about the running back room than where it was Brian Kelly's last year? You feel better? Now, this one is going to be a battle. Take your time. Take your time. Thinking about this one, do you feel better about the wide receiver room today than you did during Brian Kelly's last year? Now, that honestly, that might that probably is the one that gives you pause because if you think about the freshmen and you trust them getting better and you know you have the guys that you have coming in it might make you say yes but then if you want to just say based upon productivity okay i'll lean to the the wide receivers uh kevin austin uh who else you know, uh, Kevin Austin, uh, Deion Cozy was a freshman. Uh, Lorenzo Styles was a freshman that played very well for that half of the season. Went to the bowl game against Oklahoma State, had a big game. So, yo, the wide receiver room back then might, even with 
I think Chancey Stucky, with all the complaints that you can have about development and a lot of things that are going on with the wide receiver room right now, I think he's a better recruiter than the wide receiver coach then. I actually think he's a better coach, which is, man, if you are questioning Chancey Stuckey, he's better than that wide receiver coach. And it's not even close, in my opinion. Not even close. But I can understand someone choosing that, uh, that wide receiver room from a production standpoint over this current wide receiver room that really has a lot of promise from a production standpoint. They're more promise than actual production. So I can understand that. Uh, do you feel better about the defensive line room right now than you did in the last year of Brian Kelly? Do you feel better about the defensive back room than you did at the end of Brian Kelly's regime? That's an easy yes. An easy yes, right? Do you feel better about the linebacker room? And compares, I mean, tackling at that position for Notre Dame pretty much spans. Both regimes. Marcus Freeman has recruited position better. So now once we, we, we're talking about production versus promise, right? Because next year will be the first year we actually get to see Marcus Freeman's linebackers play, you know? So, did I miss? Oh, the tight end room, right? Notre Dame played five, six tight ends. Okay, you don't have a Michael Mayer. Mitchell Evans was playing really good, and shout out to him. Healthy return. Uh, man, we speak that the rehab is not as grueling, and you return just as good, if not better, after having successful surgery, Mitchell Evans. So, man, that's our prayer for you, Mitchell, as you go through your rehab and get back on the field. The tight end room, they go five deep, right? Mitchell Evans at the top. No Michael Mayer, but dude, tight end room is five deep with Jack Larson coming in. And heck, honestly, athletically, Cooper Flanagan looks like a tight end that safeties are going to have a problem keeping up with. It's like, yo, you have to feel it's either equal to what Brian Kelly had in the tight end room, or you're like, yeah, the tight end room is in better shape, right? Um, I hit D-line, I hit linebackers, I hit defensive backs. Safety, you can question. Because, hey, Brian Kelly had Kyle Hamilton at the end. Right? 
I mean, it is what it is, man. If you want to give the edge to the safety room, you know, towards the end of the Kelly era versus what Marcus Freeman and Chris O'Leary have been able to do, that's fine. But, I mean, Xavier Watts is an ascending dude. And we will watch him and his decision of whether or not he returns. So we've gone through everything, right? From a talent standpoint, Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman's second year is in a better position in most positional rooms than they were at the end of Brian Kelly's regime. That's it. And sometimes it's painful to, uh, if I could use Job from the Bible, it's very painful to have the patience of Job. Because patience is all this Notre Dame fan base has had. It's been 35 years. You almost feel like, God, dog, how many more years are you going to ask us to be patient? Right, Notre Dame fans? How many more times are you going to ask me? It's almost like being in a relationship and the person keeps hurting you and they keep telling you, man, we're gonna, I'm going to change. I'm, I promise you I'm going to change. It's going to be different. And they keep doing the same thing. At some point, it's like, all right, what am I to do? I know, Ryan. Ryan lost this. I know. I know. They keep telling us we're going to change. Things are going to be different uh, with this coach and that coach. And... Oh, man. Nathan Milton, you brought up the kicker and special teams. I would agree with you. I would give the edge. Minus the Brian Mason year. If, you, if I asked this question last year, I probably give the edge to Brian Mason and the promise of what he was going to continue to do with special teams, even though the place kicker was still a problem last year. But heck, the place kicker puts on a show at the pro day and now kicking 60 yarders to win games for the New Orleans Saints. Go figure. And, and to be honest, Schrader has really that Schrader has really been an underlying story because he really has corrected things and been really kind of consistent lately. He really has. He really has. Um so I like I said more than likely yeah, he's definitely, Nathan, he's definitely stepped up late. More than likely, we're going to have a primetime show because Left wants to talk to you guys. But um, I want to be clear. I don't have a problem with Notre Dame fans, content creators that cover Notre Dame, other shows, you know, pointing out, yo, they need to step up. They need to be better. Heck yeah. We can do that in every position, every game. Every game. Players and coaches. But what I'm not about to do is sit here and let this fan base be over the top forgiving 
of 10 and make excuse after excuse based upon system and what wasn't fair and all of that crap. And the unit that has the most pressure every year in the program is given no empathy when they've been through three different ideologies and three different systems in three seasons. They literally went from straight ahead, power duo, Harry Heastan, Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese is still running in Alabama. Joe Rudolph, hey, interior guys, I know you've been working your tail off to get on the field, running duo, setting your feet, your foundation, being strong at the point of attack, getting pushed, but I'm asking you guys to be athletic and pull and run and pull and run. We're going to change it up, totally change, go in a different direction. We still expect perfection. That's what we expect. We expect perfection. I'm just saying, guys, we need to probably be just a little bit more forgiving. Because, because offensive lines, their job is just to give their skilled guys opportunities to win games. And I, I'm pretty confident in saying Notre Dame and that offensive line group, 90% of the time, does a darn good job of giving Notre Dame an opportunity to win the game. You get unicorns in your program. Joe Alt is a unicorn. Joe Alt is a left tackle, is a heavy run system, heavy pass pro system, 50-50, doesn't matter. He's great. He's going to be great. Can I tell you guys something? Blake Fisher's not that dude, man. He's not. The only reason he was starting at left tackle as a true freshman is because the recruiting wasn't good and they didn't have anybody else. And he was better than everybody else as a true freshman. Let that sink in. It's not Blake Fisher's fault. Let that sink in. He was better than everybody else in the room. That's not good. And they went to the transfer portal and got Kane Madden? That lets you know. Whew. If you think the interior of this offensive line has struggled, go look back at that season and talk to me about the interior of that offensive line and what Jack Cohn had to deal with. I'm just saying, man, it is a unit that even when we are critical of their play, individually which is perfectly fine we need to sit back and understand like yo <laughs> for the most part hey man they give it's like being uh 
Notre Dame's offensive line is not. Oh, man. I want to make sure I was about to say something. Notre Dame's offensive line is the ace of this program. They're the ones that you send out there to the mound every fifth day. And every fifth day, it's like this dude is going to give us the best chance to win. And then you got your second starter that's a little bit less. I mean, if you got two aces on your squad, you're blessed. Notre Dame, it would be real nice to give a get a dude at quarterback and now we now we're cooking with grease because now we got two aces. Right? Now we got two aces on our staff. One and two. We got Schilling and Randy Johnson, baby. I can win a playoff series with that. I can win a world series with that. I don't care who's three, four, and five. You give me Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson, I can make something happen against the Yankees. Because all we have to do is win the games they pitch. And that's exactly what the Arizona Diamondbacks did. Forget the other games. Forget our clothes are being terrible. This is amazing, right? This is the Yankees in the prime when they were winning championships like crazy with the captain, Derek Jeter. And the Arizona Diamondbacks is like, yo, just give us two aces. That's it. Two aces. We'll just win the games they pitch. Who cares about our clothes or blowing games in the other games? Who cares? We're just going to win the games that our aces pitch. That's four games. We win the series. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Because that's basically, we don't have the money of the Yankees. There's no way we can put together the roster of the Yankees. We don't even have the minor league system of the Yankees. But you know what we can do? We got enough to get these two aces and get enough veterans that can produce. We can be a problem, right? No name fans, you're absolutely right. Our guy Roosevelt that watches it all the time says it constantly. You're never going to recruit like Alabama. You're never going to recruit like Georgia. You're just not. You're just not. But you know what you can do? You can go get a stud wide receiver. You can go get a stud quarterback. Your offensive line is already an ace. It's already the anchor of your program. They always they always give you a chance to win for the most part. Go get them some help. Go get them some help. And maybe you can win some big series or some big games when it matters. That's it. Just go get them some help. Fairly, we thought, we didn't think that Sam Hartman was tier one, but I thought Sam Hartman was some sort of help. I will say that. I can't believe I said his name. I thought 10 was some form of help, even if he wasn't Drake May. I thought he was some form of help. And like you said, it didn't work out. But moving forward, you know, like Jack Swarbrick said, I'm still confident in Marcus Freeman. And the reason I'm confident 
is the questions I just asked you guys. Position room by position room, is Notre Dame in better shape than they were at the end of the Brian Kelly regime? And most of you answered yes to the majority of those position rooms. That means progress is being made, people. And if you can just have a little patience, if you can have the patience of Job, you might have to suffer some things. You might have to go through some things. You might have to go through Marcus Freeman really trying to figure out his coaching staff and getting three or four recruiting classes under his belt. But guess what? If we had to suffer, Last year, this year, the pain of the Ohio State game, the embarrassment of Louisville, and the pain of last week in Death Valley against Clemson, and two years from now, Notre Dame is in a championship game or the semifinals or the playoffs. If this is the path that needs to be walked to get there, I'll suffer it. I'll take the suffering, Notre Dame fans. I'll take it. I don't like it. Not one bit. I don't like it. Not one bit. But I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Because it's more than worth it. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Uh, let's see. TB12 hashtag Tom Brady. Uh, love you stating. Be more forgiving, speaking from a direct family member of a recent indie starter. The fan base is absolutely brutal to these kids. Hope for excellence, but don't destroy these kids. I mean, some people, some people are brutal. I'm sure I've come on and <laughs> gotten excited talking about certain things. But I'm going to be fair. Hey, I'm, look, the majority of the time, I'm going to start with Marcus Freeman, especially before I get to the players. When it came to this Clemson game, I started with Marcus Freeman. I, do, I don't even have to talk about the players. Let me start with him first. And then we can break down everything else, right? Hey, most Notre Dame fans know the darn game of football. Regardless of whether or not you played, hey, you've watched enough football to graduate with a master's in Notre Dame football. So, or a doctorate. So knowing the game and, and having the uh, the blessing and the uh, ability to talk Notre Dame football with you guys on a daily basis is absolutely amazing. One of the most knowledgeable fan bases. And, you know, when you just have, it's almost like, great, man, I'll give you a great example. Sports radio rankings, ratings, right? I, I was in the business for over a decade. Blessed to be in the business for over a decade. You have a great show, great radio show in Chicago, sports radio. Your peak is maybe a 4.1 in Nielsen ratings. I'm like, that's considered like, yo, you're killing it. Go to New York as a sports show and pull a 4.1 and see how quickly you get fired. Go to Philly and pull a 4.1.
man, it's a different ball game. The sports fans up there, it's a different breed. And I think Chicago is a great sports town. That's a different breed, man. It's a different breed. The knowledge of baseball fans in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area is like, it's on a whole nother level, man. Like the intricacies of the game and how they watch the game. It's, you know, you just tip your cap. It's nothing to sit up there and, and, you know, feel like as a Chicago fan to be offended. Like we know the game too. It's a different level. Different level. Because you know what the average in the battles of sports stations in those areas from Philly all the way up to New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. If you're not doing double digits, you stink. They're up there pulling 10, 11, 12, 13 at peak. And sports radio in Chicago is like four at peak. It's a different ball game, man. And that's Notre Dame fans, to go back to your statement. You know, yeah, there are some people that are over the top, brutal, say some very ignorant things about these young men without understanding what they go through. You know, you get idiots in all walks of life. But for the most part, the Notre Dame football fan base and fandom is a very knowledgeable, very knowledgeable, one of the most knowledgeable fan bases. Absolutely. And that's what makes creating content on a daily basis. That's what makes it fun and fantastic is that you are dealing with a very knowledgeable fan base. So you have to come up with topics that are going to create, you know, what we get in the chat every day, which is fantastic comments, opinions, thoughts. It is what it is. The fan base is, it is what it is. But I understand what you're saying. It is unfortunate, you know. And I do think, you know, sometimes it would help if we would be more understanding and more forgiving of these young men and what they do. My guy, Donnie Cruz, I told you I would get back to this statement. You put up why get Hartman, assistant quarterback, a really good ACC quarterback, in that system and not run the system. That would have been like getting Jalen Hurts and using the air raid, no option running plays. It was just plain old dumb. I've said this because, you know, some other people have, uh, said it before. I see you time to grind. You're crazy, bro. Like Sox fans compared to Cubs fans. Hey, I'm not mad. Cubs made a great move getting counsel. Report came out today that they're in on Shohei Otani, and this is their winter of spending big money. I'm not even. I'm not mad at Cubs, the Cubs or the Cubs fans. But to get back to what Donnie said, that's once again, it too. You have you have 80 to 100 young men that have worked their tails off all winter to play one system and in one system. 
not knowing that their offensive coordinator is about to bounce. And because the offense, because the or, Tommy Reese wasn't changing the system, he wasn't changing the system for Sam Hartman. Because when Tommy Reese left, Marcus Freeman, per Jared Parker's mouth, yo, we're running the same system. Now, if you want to sit in here and say, you know, sprinkle in some things that Sam Hartman has done previously to make it better or make the transition better, that's a fair argument. But you're not about to put 80 guys that have worked their tails off to study a playbook all off season, and then ask them to totally change for one dude that ended up not being a dude. Because if he's a dude, he's a dude regardless of the system. He ain't a dude. Ten ain't a dude. He's not. No one is going to ask their entire offensive program to change playbooks two weeks before spring practices starts or three weeks before spring practice begins because of this dude that's coming in at quarterback. No one's doing that. That's not how football programs work. That's just not how it works. Like I said, in fairness, if you want to give him the ability to change plays at the line, if you want to give him the ability to do other things, run some slow mesh in certain situations, I'm, dude, I'm all for that. But this big picture of Notre Dame should have just changed and scrapped everything. Once again, right? This, this is crazy. You had an offensive line, three different ideologies, three different teachings, and three different seasons with three different coaches, and because of Sam Hartman, now you guys got to learn this slow mesh blocking. So we're going to get the offensive line. Now it's something else here. This is something else you got to do, O-line. That would be unfair to those young men. It just would. It would be totally unfair to those young men. But for those of you that felt like, and I talked about this the other day, I can go down the line of people in that football program that are operating under unfair situations. Jared Parker's operating under unfair situations. Marcus Freeman is operating under unfair situations. He is. Sam Hartman, unfortunately. But certain things are unfair. Guess what? That's life. Everything is not fair. Everything is not going to be perfect. It's not. But that's literally, that's what do. We had to be perfect to get to the playoffs. This is like the weight that this program and the fan base has been sitting under and carrying, living moment by moment every week. Because we have to be perfect to get to the playoff. We have to have a schedule that's better than everybody else's just in case we lose a game so we can still have a shot. There's so much weight. Just good grief, man.
like even right now, Notre Dame's 20th in the CFP rankings and still would have an outside shot to get into the 12, field of 12. Still. Still. The remaining games might not be the opponents, but you never know about the teams in front of you and who they lose at the end of the season. You never know. It's an outside shot, but you still have a shot at 20 to get to the 12. You still have a shot. And finally, starting next year, we don't have to carry that weight week after week as a fan base, man. And maybe it helps us appreciate. Like Notre Dame is going into um, the matchup with Texas A&M at the beginning of next year with an extremely young and inexperienced squad in several areas, several areas. As a fan base, we have to know that. I'm still expecting them to win the game, though. I'm still going to be critical of guys that play well and don't play well. But I understand, like, yo, this is a team that's going to be looking for leadership from inexperienced and young players. And, yo, as a fan base, we're going to have to know that. You know, and it might be easier to view that game not knowing that we have to win it. We have to be perfect. We can't have more than one loss. And, yo, we just want to make it to the dance and be a good team, good to great team by the time we get there at the end of the year. That's what it's about, especially next year with a young and inexperienced team. Because that team is probably going to be a much better team at the end of the season than they will be at the beginning of the season. And that's regardless of the result against Texas A&M. If they beat Texas A&M, I still think at the end of the season, of course, you know, you have to take injuries into consideration, things of that nature. But all things being equal, I fully believe that the Notre Dame team in 2024 is going to be better at the end and hopefully in the playoffs than they will be when they face off against the Aggies. And uh Yeah. Get ready to get out of here, man. I went, oh, I told you, I told Lev, I was like, yo, I'm just going to do a quick hour, and then we'll come back tonight. You fans, man, it's, you, it's your fault. It's your fault. You're so great. Man, you, you pull it out of me. Came on here with the plan to do an hour, and you guys are so informed and smart and just say really wonderful things in the chat that are thought-provoking. It's your fault. Let me go. Let me go get some lunch. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Cruz, this is, um, you know what? Thank you for saying this. 
He says, I think next year would be rough. Our whole defense and O-line would be different. Yeah, but that, that schedule is absolutely trash next year. Trash. We, the two toughest games will be Texas A&M, Florida State. We don't know who's quarterbacking at Florida State next year. They lose all of those transfers. They're a heavy senior-laden team. They'll be young and inexperienced next year. So as much as the name and what their team is doing this year, Keon Coleman's not going to be there next year. We don't have to worry about that dude. Johnny Wilson's not going to be there next year. We don't have to worry about that dude. So, you know, we'll see if Florida State can run him back and be consistent because they haven't been able to do that. But that's probably viewed right now as the toughest game on the schedule, and we don't really know what they're going to have next year. But um, they've shown the ability to go to the portal and get dudes, though. I will say that. The year before it was Jared Verse. They get the fist kid at D-tackle over Notre Dame. They get Keon Coleman. So Florida State has shown the ability to go to the transfer portal and get dudes. So I expect nothing different. Uh, the, the big tight end that they had, tight end slash H-back guy, I forget his name. They went and got him from the portal. So um, that's something that we'll watch or that Bears watching. But I'm glad you said that because um, – you, the type of team that you're talking about needs a schedule like 2024 because it especially September and October, the schedule is so bad or so light that it gives the young players an opportunity to get better and to develop because, in my opinion, next year's team will be more talented than this year's team. Without question, they would be more talented. But that experience, you know, like Jack Kaiser said, like, dude, there's so many, uh, there's so much that goes into uh, this defense playing well. The talent, but, yo, they played together two years in this system, and some of the guys played together, you know, for three years. Like, that is, that's a lot that's locking in, along with Al Gold and along with the talent, the camaraderie and the cohesion. It's a lot that's going into making this Notre Dame defense really good, you know? And that's something that's going to be challenging for Notre Dame. Defensive line, offensive line, defense, they're going to have really, they're going to have really good players in the secondary once again next year. You know, they'll still have some dudes, uh, Bukar Traore, Jason Onye, Gabriel Rubio. You know, they'll still have some dudes, you know, talent on the defensive line. They might go get another transfer in the defensive line. But, you know, that cohesion, right? You can say one, you can say a lot about the linebacker position, but they have played a lot of games together. SC, I don't know about SC because <laughs> that quarterback situation, once again, they'll have a young, inexperienced quarterback. Uh, the reports are that Jim Leonard 
is a candidate to replace Alex Grinch, who was let go earlier this week by USC. And then, heck, we don't even know if the head coach is going to be there next year because he's going to have NFL interviews. Lincoln Riley is going to have interviews for the NFL. He is. He is. He just flat out is. So, uh, yeah, you know, once again, you know, new season, new questions. And like I always say, good teams all have questions, but the great ones find the answers. That's it. And that's why Marcus Freeman was so frustrated out of the Clemson game, because he keeps getting the same questions to things that he, he in his mind, is like, yo, I thought we answered that. I thought we found the answer to that. And to see it not play out, it's been very frustrating. Brian Loftus, I don't know. I see you talking about Tyson Ford. I don't know if you asked this question. I did see it earlier. Somebody asked what was up with Tyson Ford. Somebody said something about five. I've been very critical of his coaching staff and their failure to develop uh, Tobias Merriweather. They didn't do it him as a freshman they gave him no confidence and then they just threw him into the starting position in spring and just thought that was going to inspire him to take a jump that's not the way development works it's not you know until he makes that jump still confidence develop him and then when he makes the jump he'll make the jump uh Let's see. But yeah, that's the same thing for SC. Like, I don't, I'm not about to sit up here and talk. First of all, Notre Dame recently, you know, SC doesn't scare me. And when I said that after the Ohio State game, people were like, well, you talk about USC doesn't scare you. Hey, dude, USC didn't put any fear in my heart this year. None. None. I said that before the Ohio State game. That's why I said the Ohio State game was the most important game on the schedule. As far as changing the narrative about Notre Dame football. So, SC just really doesn't scare me. They just don't. So, yeah. Just, oh. So that's Tobias, and as far as Tyson Ford, uh, Tyson Ford was asked to play inside, and it just didn't work, right? He was asked to put on weight, play inside, and now uh, I expect Tyson Ford to be uh, at the strong side defensive end with Big Two next year, right? Because I think they're trying to let him transition back to the outside if i'm not mistaken so now he has he was going through the process of changing his body now he has to change it back so we'll see we'll see lucky lucky podcast appreciate you guys you always already know we spin it different youtube subscribe hit the thumbs up we appreciate you man it's lucky lucky podcast you know what time it is 
It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, Petty Sword, and they brought to you by Anora Whiskey at norwhiskey.com. That premium American whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. Um, <laughs> man, I hate to do. Man, somebody needs to advise LeBron James to just hush. The disrespect towards the Miami Heat organization. That was one thing. Now this dude is randomly going at sports accounts on Twitter or X. Talking about the last two minutes. Games in the NBA have not lost a one in the last two minutes. See, LeBron, I knew you were built differently. I knew you were built differently, bro. That's why you're so willing to let other people fail in the biggest moments of games under the guise of making the right basketball play. See, as a husband, I take the responsibility and I take it very serious of being the provider, being the spiritual spearhead, speaking things into the lives of my wife and daughter. I take the accountability and responsibility. I don't have to do that, but I do. And I take it very seriously. And I almost feel like if we go down, it's because of me. I don't sit here and say we all have roles in the family and this, that, and the other. We do. We do. We have our own individual accounts. We have a joint account together. We have savings accounts, investments, property. Like we've gone through this. We've built 24 years with this beautiful woman that I met August 4th, 1991. But you know who stands at the top and answers to things when they need to be answered to? That's my responsibility. LeBron, you've never wanted that responsibility. Never. D-Wade had to beg of you to operate in that responsibility. He said it many times in interviews, especially lately. Maybe that's why you didn't show up to his his Hall of Fame induction, which is by far, man, something... Maybe it lined up with what was happening with his son. I have to double check that. But you not being at D-Way's Hall of Fame induction. Mm. Mm. But you've never wanted that. You've reluctantly walked in it. 
because you found out that's the only way you can win championships. But that's not you. So when you say something like NBA games are not won and lost in the last two minutes, that's because you're not, you're, you're not built like that. You're not a go-getter like that. You're not built like Magic, Bird, MJ. Just not a killer like that. And that's okay, because we all can't be the same. But just know, I just watched the game last week where literally Victor Wimbenyana turned it on in the last two minutes in the fourth quarter and helped the Spurs come back from a 20-point deficit against the Phoenix Suns. They got the tails whooped for about 56 minutes. No, no, I'm sorry, 56. I'm thinking football. They got their butts whooped for about 45 minutes of that game. And then their best player decided to take over. And they came back and won. Would you look at that? Wow. Victor Wimbanyana might be built a little bit better than you were as a youngster. Hmm. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We'll see you guys tonight. Prime time with Left. We appreciate you. Go get something to eat. Have a great day. But most of all, make sure you spend it different. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.